Welcome to episode 120 of the Daniel Yoris Podcast with today's guest, Stephen Campolo. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Join here once again, too many episodes ago. Stephen Campolo, what's up, baby? Welcome back. Oh, dude, it's been a while, man. It's good to be back. Been a while. I think I looked at it before. The first episode that we did was episode 24. What a, what a time ago, man. Come a long way, baby. A long, yeah. long way. For sure. So if anyone wants Steven's, more of Stephen's backstory, we talked a lot about that. And that's going to intertwine a lot of what we're going to talk about today. Um, but just for more of the context of like really the deeper story of where you're coming from, uh, go back and listen to that one, episode 24. Uh, since then, the the 77 Laws of Six-Pack Abs book has come out. That one absolutely crushed on Amazon. So congratulations on that. Um, you've got married, but things seem to be going well, man. Yes, man. A lot of life changes, um, but thank God things are going good, man. Um, you know, grinding every day, doing what I can and taking life one day at a time, man. It's all we could do, you know, not, not looking too far ahead, but, you know, just kind of taking what's in front of us and being diligent, staying consistent and just putting in the work every day. So yeah, man, thank God life is good. That's all there is. Uh, that's all there is to it, man. And, and I mean, things have not always been rock solid either for you. Like even just over the past year, you had the the shoulder surgery, which that was something that you've been dealing with for a long time. But then coming back from that, then even like your wedding, a freaking hurricane destroyed (laughs) Southwest Florida. And so they're then dealing with that. Like things have not always been like smooth sailing, but like, you know, you just put one foot in front of the other and and you keep going. Has it been challenging to kind of go through all all those ups and downs? Yeah. And I, I haven't even told you this. I have, I actually have surgery this upcoming Friday for my shoulder again. Oh, man. So the other surgery didn't really do what it was supposed to. So the last two years I've kind of been just like, you know, dealing with it and to the point where I'm like, all right, I can't even bench press right now. I can't do any overhead press. I'm like, I got to get this fixed. I'm only 34. So it's not like I'm an old man where I can get a shoulder replacement. So they're going to go in, uh, clean some stuff up. I have some like loose bone fragments in there. They got to suck out apparently. So, um, but we'll get that taken care of. But listen, that's life, man. Life happens to us all, right? Like this is what I tell people, especially when it comes to being on a fitness journey, you know, there are no perfect conditions, right? I don't care if you fly to an island somewhere and just cut out all the processed junk and, you know, like even those people that go on the biggest loser show and just eliminate like everything in their life, like there's always something that's going to pop up in life, right? So if you understand that and just accept it and realize it, like you're going to be way ahead of the game um, and just realizing life ain't perfect, man. Like you just got to take things how as they come and just plan as best as you can. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, you can be perfect for short periods of time, right? And you, for a month, for six weeks, like follow this really strict plan and really dial in. You know that nothing's coming up with work. You have no like big social events. Like you can do that. But over the course of your whole life, like it is utterly impossible. And, and hoping for that is is almost silly in a, in a way that yeah. it's just not going to happen. So you've got to be prepared to sort of like roll with the punches, right? Yeah. Are there any strategies that you used maybe differently th- this past year and a half or two years that were different than th- things that you've done in the past that you think would maybe be helpful for people? Was it just a mindset shift or was it just like you've been through this so many times and this was just another one? Yeah. I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I've been involved in fitness now for like 20 years, right? I, I started when I was about like 14, 15 years old. I'm 34 now. So, you know, do the math. That's like 19, 20-ish years, right? Um, for those that don't know my story, I'll just kind of you know, catch you up yeah. real quick. But like I was a hundred pounds overweight when I was younger, right? So super obese, like morbidly obese. Um, you know, my health was like 
you know, really, really poor when I was younger. I went through this transformation when I was like, you know, between 15 and 17 years old, had no idea what I was doing, but I wanted to lose the weight. So I started running, started restricting myself, eating chicken and broccoli. And that's kind of how like my negative relationship with food really began because I was, you know, restricting myself from all the good foods and, you know, binging on the weekends. Um, and then, you know, got into like weightlifting and, and training and bodybuilding when I was 16, 17, hired my first bodybuilding coach at 17, did a natural bodybuilding show. Um, and I was like obsessed with it. Right. And again, going through that process, like going through six months to a year of dieting and training for a show, like that really put me in a bad place afterwards because I became food obsessed. Like for that time, entire time I was training and getting ready, like I was just obsessing with food. And then when the show was over, it's like, boom, I'm off to the races, binging every night, gained 30 pounds, like in a month. Um, you know, so it was, it was bad. But one thing I've realized over the last 20 years, I'm like, you know, there is no, there is no perfect scenario or perfect situation. You kind of have to give yourself a lot of grace while you're starting your journey, regardless if you only have 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 50 pounds to lose, like, or a hundred pounds to lose. You got to approach things with grace and just knowing like you've never been perfect at anything in your life, right? You've never had the perfect job or the perfect, you know, building your business wasn't a perfect process or, you know, you and your spouse probably don't have the perfect relationship. And if you say you do, you're probably lying to yourself, right? Um, like nothing in life is perfect, but yet, when we decide to follow a fitness plan or a fitness approach, we like set the bar of perfection. Like, all right, I'm going to be perfect with my calories, perfect with my food, never going to cheat, hit my workouts. And the second we miss the mark, which you're going to miss the mark, you like kind of self-sabotage and say, oh man, I'm a failure. I suck. Like, why am I even bothering? And then you just go back to your old habits where it's like, if you just stay consistent and expect to slip up, you know, at least 20% of the time, all right, like the 80-20 rule, be consistent 80% of the time, you're going to slip up 20% of the time. If you can just stay consistent, like you're going to be way ahead of the game instead of doing this like all or nothing Monday diet mentality where it's like, oh man, I messed up the weekend Monday morning. I'll get back on track. I'm going to run 10 miles tomorrow. I'm going to cut my carbs. I'm going to weight train. And then by Wednesday to Thursday, you're friggin' starving and you're binging Thursday night and the cycle repeats itself, right? So one thing I've tried to really like be diligent with over the last few years is just like getting rid of that all or nothing mentality because it is so freaking dangerous. And like, you know, it, it kind of puts you on a path to just being staying stuck where you are. You're either extremely working out and extremely dieting hard or you're binging. And then, you know, you're, you're kind of just canceling each other out, right? You're not really getting, you're not really getting any steps ahead. You're taking like three steps forward and then three steps back. And you just kind of repeat that for years and years and years. Right. So I've just been, Again, just trying to like look at life and look at things, whether it's my fitness or business or relationships and just realize, okay, if I can make more good decisions and be a little bit better today and just, you know, be a little bit more consistent, that's all I need to be to be successful and make progress. I don't have to be perfect and like, you know, be crazy with anything. Like extreme things never lead to, you know, good things oftentimes, right? So just kind of taking life again, like I'm very big on one day at a time. Like I, I, I tell myself, I tell my clients, like, it's one day at a time. How do you lose a hundred pounds? You lose one pound at a time, right? Like you get one workout in at a time, one meal at a time, like one good day of nutrition at a time. That's, that's all you could do is just kind of look at what's ahead of you today. And then we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, but let's just focus on today. So I know that was a long winded answer, but. No, yeah. it was, it was a fantastic answer. I think one thing I want to zero in on, you use the word dangerous 
And yeah. I don't think, or sorry, I do think that that is a fantastic word to use and it's a strong word, but it's accurate where you get into these very extreme things. And like a bodybuilding show is a perfect example of that where nothing wrong with bodybuilding. It's a sport, but bodybuilding is not a sport of who's the healthiest. Like that is absolutely not what it, what it's a competition for. It's who looks the best on stage and to look the best on stage, you have to do some unhealthy behaviors, which is like severely restricting food. And that also usually comes with severely restricting social life and, and a whole bunch of other things you got to cut out of your life to look the best you can for that, you know, five minutes on stage. And this goes with all extreme things, right? There, there is danger in these because sometimes they can be good to get you out of a rut. Some people need that, like, you know, swift kick in the ass to, to really get out of the thing that they're in, but doing that extreme way of, dieting, a fat loss of life change overall is really not the long way to go about it. But sometimes you kind of have to, you got to fall in your face to, to learn that lesson yourself. Like, you know, you and I are saying this right now and many others have said it many, many times and we've said it many times and we'll continue to say this same message yet it's still going to happen. And so I think it's one of these things where it's like, you got to kind of learn this for yourself. And sometimes you need to go to that place and like, and, and develop, uh, you know, some, some strategies to really shock yourself into changing your life and then you're going to fall flat on your face and then you're going to come you know sort of come somewhere fall somewhere in the middle but it's that's a long difficult journey to to learn on your own and like you know in, in your own story losing over 100 pounds like there were many times where you probably went from this like super on the path like fitness and then and then fell right off back to and then that probably happened a, a few times before you fell into this place where you are now which is like this beautiful place in the middle of still being in shape and just doing more good things than bad things over time yeah i said the other night i, I actually uh, posted this on on my on my facebook page and the uh, caption started with you know don't miss out on 98 percent of your life just so you could weigh two percent less right and unfortunately yeah. like a lot of people they become so obsessive with losing weight or getting in shape and that stress and anxiety associated with wanting this result so badly, like often leads to just either staying stagnant or self-sabotaging down the road. Right. So that's why, like, I think it's good for people to like, enjoy yourself periodically. Like I love to give my clients like a treat, a treat meal every week, like go enjoy yourself. Don't stress about it. Don't track it. Like get it out of your system, enjoy your life a little bit. And then the next day you're just back on track. You're not allowing that to turn into like an entire day of just binging or an entire weekend of just like going crazy then starting Monday. Right. So again, it's like that all or nothing mentality, man, is so dangerous. And it, it's hard to break too, though. Like I'm an all or nothing person. Like in my life, I'm like, I'm either freaking bang on with everything or I'm like, off the rails. I'm either at the gym training hard on my diet or I'm on the couch, like Uber eating, you know, pizza. Right. So like, however, I have tried to get better at that and like realize, okay, if I have some pizza tonight, like with my wife, so what? That doesn't mean I have to then go out to the grocery store and go get a pint, you know, like an entire pint of ice cream and go binge that and then buy cookies and like allow one, you know, little treat or slip up to turn into like an entire cascade of just bad decisions. Right. Because the pizza's not going to hurt me. Or having a few cookies isn't going to hurt me. What's going to hurt me is like engorging myself to the point of being sick. And now I just destroyed the last like four days of, you know, of progress that, that I did make. Right. So now again, we kind of just canceled out all the good things and now we're kind of back to square one. And that's what a lot of people do. They just kind of, you know, they make progress and they, and they come back a little bit. So again, just giving like, you got to give yourself grace on this journey, man. Like expect, like I tell people, 
And I make it clear with my coaching clients, you are going to slip up. Expect it because it's going to happen. However, how you handle it after it happens is the most important part, not allowing it to like, you know, get into a, a pity fest and just say, Oh man, I suck. I'm going to fall. You know, I'm just going to go, go eat my feelings the next three days. Like acknowledge it happened. It's not a big deal. Get back on track the next day. So. Yeah, it's like it's like the I don't know what the the other analogy of this, but it's like you know, fool me once, shame on, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, kind of thing. But it, in different contexts, but it's like if you make a quote unquote mistake on your diet, that's fine. It happens. You, you do your thing. Something happened. Whatever. If you continue to make that mistake, it's no longer a mistake. Now it's a choice that you're making, and and that's where the the, the issues come up, right? I think another thing, just to kind of transition into here, is like. This transition of uh, of identity that has to happen when, with becoming someone who is an overweight person who doesn't like to exercise, who doesn't enjoy living a healthy life, to identifying as someone who who is a healthy weight person who likes to exercise and likes to eat healthy foods and also enjoys you know treat foods and stuff like that, but using the term treat meal instead of cheat meal is I think one of those big things because just by calling it something different, it kind of changes something in our in our brain where. Yeah. By a treat, treats are okay. You give your dogs treats all the time. It doesn't mean you give them the equivalent of like, you know, it doesn't mean you don't feed them regular dog food or, you know, regular food. You just give them a treat once and then they eat their regular meal. And the same as us. You have your treat meal and then you're just right back on track rather than turning that cheat, which now feels like, you know, you've done something wrong, that there's something wrong with you, that there's something wrong with the plan, that things are not working. And if it's not working, well, then fuck it. I'll just blow this whole thing up and, 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 now, now there's no point in even trying. So I think changing that that identity, um, or or just the the words that we're using, even the stories that we tell ourselves with the words that we use, calling it a treat instead of a cheat, is uh, is a really powerful shift that that helps a lot of people. Because again, you're gonna you're gonna make mistakes, you're gonna mess up, and that's okay. You just got to get back on the horse and keep going and include it as part of what you're doing, rather than expecting it to never show up ever. Yep, agree. Yeah, I mean, listen. One, like one, one phrase I live by is consistency compounds, right? So you can consistently make bad decisions and consistently keep slipping up and it's going to compound and, and get you a certain result. You can consistently make good decisions and, you know, those results are going to compound and get you a certain result, right? So consistency compounds, you know, regardless of what decisions you decide to make, that's up to you. Like you have to make more good decisions than bad decisions and those decisions will compound and get you ultimately the results that you either want or don't want. Right. So, um, that's, that's what really what it comes down to. Something that I was, I was thinking about this last week and I meant to actually ask you about it, but then we're going to do this podcast anyway. So I figured this was a good time, uh, to talk about it. Now this comes, this may go nowhere and it may like take us the rest of the, of the, of the podcast. So let's see, but do you know much about, um, these new, the weight loss injections, the semaglutide, the terzepatide, yeah. the ozempic and all this stuff. So you're like familiar with them. Yeah. Yep. I, I've, okay. So this, uh, I, I've actually taken them before. So okay. I'm, I'm, I'm very familiar. I have some clients that take them. Um, I have some family members that, that take it. I've done a lot of research on it. Um, so yeah. Okay. E- even better then. Cause what I was going to get at, cause I know that the medications have, you know, they, they've, they've boomed in the past year or so just in their marketability. And I'm not sure exactly why that's happened, but whatever, but they're not new medications. They've been around for years and years and years. Um, what I was going to ask you was in that time when you were hundred plus pounds overweight, had this been something presented to you, what would your mindset have been around using that? Because some people view it as cheating, which I think is 
silly. I don't, I don't know who you're cheating. Um, and some people view it as like, oh, this is the, the, the be all end all. If I just take this shot, then I don't have to do anything. So what was your, yeah. like, what was the, the, the circumstances around you taking it and how did that go? If you're comfortable talking about it. Yeah, of course. I mean, dude, I'm an open book with my entire, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I've, I have, I'm a recovering food addict. I, I say it openly. I have struggled with food, uh, food addiction, binge eating, um, in eating disorder. I'm writing my second book on binge eating and eating disorder now. So trust me, like I'm an open book when it comes to this stuff. Um, I actually made a post probably a few months ago on my Facebook page, like a long, a long form video talking about semaglutide, ozempic, um, Trulicity? No, not Trulicity. Um, Manjaro. There's a few like brand yeah. names out there. Manjaro is the different, the different medication. It's it terzep, terzepatide, but terzepatide yeah, is another one. But they all use the same mechanism to really get get people in shape, right? Like these medications slow gastric emptying, which simply means like when you eat, the food stays in your stomach longer and you stay fuller and you really don't want to eat. Um, so let me let me first, I guess, respond to your question: is like what made me try it a few years ago, right? So, um, again, some of you don't know this. If it's your first time listening to me and don't know my story, but I, I really struggled with like binge eating for a long, long time. Right. And a lot of that had to do with like doing the bodybuilding thing, you know, like greatly restricting myself. And then on the weekend I would go crazy and just engorge myself. Right. That's not, that's not very healthy. And it could cause like a lot of internal damage as well, which a lot of people don't think about. Um, so about four years ago, I had a binge eating episode, if you want to call it that, right? Came home, binged on peanut butter. Um, and I woke up at four in the morning and had this like crazy pain in my abdomen. I, I literally felt like I was dying. It was a pain I, I never felt before. Drove myself to the ER around like 4.35 in the morning. They run a bunch of tests. They do an ultrasound of my abdomen and they're like, oh man, your gallbladder is like ready to like rupture. Like we got to get you to surgery. So they sent for an ambulance because they couldn't do the surgery at that place. They had to send me to another hospital. So they put me in an ambulance, sent me to another hospital, um, and they removed my gallbladder, um, you know, hours, hours from then. Right. And that was all because I binge ate. Right. So like, again, when it comes to binging and things like that, it's something that I've really struggled with over the years. So when I heard about the weight loss medication, I was like, man, like this sounds like almost too good to be true. If I could take, it's a once a week injection, right? And it kills your cravings, kills your appetite. Like you don't want to eat. Um, I'm like, if I could just kind of change my relationship with food, like this would greatly, greatly help me. Right. And I think a lot of people are surprised to hear me talk about this, but I think things like that can be helpful for a lot of people. Right. Now, long term, probably not. But if someone is struggling with just like having discipline or struggling with, you know, binging or having an eating disorder like that, where they feel like they have no control over like just saying no to foods and controlling their cravings. I think it can be, can be a help. Right. And I've, I've had this conversation with some clients where they told me they met with their doctors and they're thinking about doing it. And I'll actually tell them, listen, you know what? Like if you feel comfortable with it, I think it might be a tool that can help you over the next three to six months to just kind of control your relationship with food. Right. Because oftentimes like what happened with me after I got off the medication, I realized that like I actually held on to a lot of like the long term um, benefits of like, you know, just not like no longer like being feeling like I had no control if there was a cookie in front of me. Like I, I felt like I had more control. Right. So I, I, I do feel like the medication, not only does it help you while you're on it, but it also can kind of like establish longer term benefits of how you view food and it really can help change your relationship with food. Right. The thing that pisses me off though about the medication 
because I, I actually got kicked out of a Facebook group that was a semaglutide Facebook group because <laughs> I was trying to learn about it. Right. And, and I actually made a post like, you know, Hey guys, just, you know, I'm a full-time fitness coach. So, you know, I'm not promoting myself in here. Like I'm just kind of giving you some information that might be helpful to you. Um, you know, you still have to like develop healthy lifestyles. You can't just take the shot and go eat the same shit you've been eating. Cause I see a lot of people like they, they'd be in the Facebook group and they're like, Oh, I only had two bites of my ham, uh, of my, uh, McDonald's hamburger. Like it's working. <laughs> like, what are you doing, dude? Like you're taking this medication for a result, but you're still following the same shitty eating habits. Right. So I'm like, I tell people, if you're going to take it, use it as a tool in your tool, you know, toolkit to like help you establish a healthy relationship with food. Start working out, right? Like start getting your butt to the gym four days a week or start getting your steps in and start like eating healthier. Like that's how the medication can really help you instead of just taking it, eating the same shit, but less of it. Like then your body composition is actually going to get worse because now you're losing fat, but you're losing muscle tissue and losing bone density. And, um, I think Peter Atia said this, who's, who's someone that I greatly respect it in, in, in the field. Um, He's like, what, what we're seeing with people that go on, on Ozempic, semaglutide and Manjaro is like, they're getting smaller, but they're getting fatter, right? Meaning that they're losing a lot of overall mass, but included with that mass is like losing muscle tissue, which is a horrible thing for metabolic function, right? If you lose muscle mass, your metabolism is going to be shot and you're not going to like have a healthy functioning metabolism, right? So what are you really accomplishing if you lose weight? So. My decision to take the medication years ago was just because I wanted to control my binge eating, which I felt like it really, really helped. But I was living a healthy lifestyle while I was taking it. I wasn't using the medication as like a, you know, a crutch to go eat ice cream, but just eat less ice cream. You know what I mean? So you just have to be very smart with it. I mean, again, I'm not against it whatsoever. I think if people have the opportunity to take it, but they do it along with making a healthy decision and, you know, hiring a coach too, or hiring someone like a trainer or someone that's actually going to help them develop the healthy habits while they're on it. I think it could be highly beneficial. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably one of the best. I mean, and if anyone who watches sports or TV at all, you know that these commercials are literally every commercial, it's either that or sports betting commercials right now, but (laughs) your, your spiel there is the, is the best kind of description and advertisement, if you will, for these medications where it's like, yes, they work, they, they are effective, but they only work because, you know, they, they, they help you to eat less. And so if, if not coupled with an actual lifestyle change, then you are sentenced to take this medication for forever. And that may be healthy and maybe not. You know, neither you or I are doctors or researchers. We have no idea. I would, I think we're both kind of on the side of like, probably rather not take a medication forever if you don't have to. And if you can use it to like exactly what you did, whereas it's just that, it's just that shift in your mindset. It helps remove that, uh, that, that feeling of needing to binge and helps kind of control and sort of bring you back to a little bit more of a, of a moderate lifestyle or relationship with food, then that's great. But you've got to, you know, you've still got to train, you still got to try and eat healthy because there are other health benefits of food other than just their calories. Otherwise, you know, we wouldn't have vegetables at all. If we would just all eat McDonald's. It would be great. Yeah. But, but having that ability to actually get off of them and you didn't have to take it for 10, 15, 30 years, right? It gave you that jump start. You took it, you ran with it, you changed your lifestyle, you changed your psychology and your mentality around these things. And now you don't need it anymore and you won't need to go back to it. So I think that that's, that that's huge. And I think a lot of people are worried about like, oh, but I need to take this forever. And, and you do, unless you change something about what's how you're actually living your life. Yeah. I think, 
um, I, I kind of correlate it to like people that get sleeve surgery or get bariatric surgery. It's really the same thing, right? And, and I've worked with a lot of bariatric uh, clients over the years where they get the sleeve surgery. Now their stomach is, has shrunken. So they can only eat like a thousand calories a day, if that, right? So of course you're going to lose hundred pounds in like six months, right? Crazy, crazy amounts of weight loss. Yeah. But the problem is that, you know, again, like, you're pretty much killing your metabolism because you're not able to eat that much. Your body's not able to absorb a lot of the nutrients and foods you're eating. And it's really the same thing with like, you know, um, the, the Ozempic shots too, right? One thing I hated about the shot was that I really struggled to get protein in because I was never like, I was never hungry, right? So like a lot of times I had to force feed protein and, you know, these medications aren't without side effects too, right? Like we got to be open and honest about that. Like a lot of times, especially in the beginning, like, you know, I felt kind of nauseous periodically. Um, my, my training wasn't as optimal because, you know, it was like, I, I would push myself really hard one set and then all of a sudden I'd have like a wave of nausea and I work out in the morning, right? So I find that like oftentimes in the morning, it's kind of like a morning nausea that you experience with the medication. Some people do, some, some people don't. Um, so, you know, again, it's like not, not everything is just positive either, right? Like you have to weigh out yeah. the, the, the pros and cons with it. Um, for me, there was a net benefit of it, but again, I, I still wasn't perfect. Like I think it helped me maybe bi- instead of binging three times a week, it helped me binge like once a week. And that binge wasn't even as bad as like it, it normally would be. Right. So again, the paradox of perfection, like just, you know, staying more consistent with things, not, you know, being perfect, but just kind of being more consistent 80% of the time, like that's, you know, that's, that was the benefit for me. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta look at the the big picture. I think that thing that Peter Atia posted, uh, I think it was taken a little bit out of context from, from some analyses of that I've seen and I hadn't read the whole study and whatever, but it's like, if you are just losing weight and you're just slashing your calories and not training and not eating protein, which I think is a, is a problem with this because you're just so not hungry. And so it's like, when you are hungry, you're still not going to, like that chicken breast is not the most appetizing looking thing when you're starving, right? It's, yeah. it's something else. I mean, it's a little bit more, you know, flavorful, junky, whatever, especially when that's your current psychology, right? It's not, it doesn't shift your psychology. It can, if you, if you direct it in that way, but it doesn't default do that. And then you end up in this kind of like skinny fat scenario, which is like still by all means healthier than being like morbidly obese, uh, of course, but it's still not like the ideal body that, that people want. And the only way to get rid of that skinny fat look or feeling is by training and building muscle mass. And so that's where building comes in. And it would be, I would imagine it would be incredibly difficult to build muscle while taking these medications, even if you get down to a very low uh, or relatively low body weight, I think it would just be, it just sounds like it would be super hard. And, and so it may end up like, I mean, I got to think that even if everyone who took it became what we'd call skinny fat, they're still going to have better health outcomes than their current state. So it's probably still a still a net positive, but yeah. not as positive as, as it could be where just with a little bit of training, you're going to maintain that muscle mass and, um, and, and then actually, you know, work into the body that, that you're looking for. Right. And I think just to, you know, continue to expand upon the, the paradox of, of perfection is, is zooming out a little bit. You're not going to be perfect every day and that's okay. You know, we've well established that by now, but if you zoom out and look at the, look at the chart, if you will, of your, of how many days you've been perfect or how many days you've been really good and you 
look at it from a, you know, sort of a bird's eye view, you'll see that, Hey, like I've been really, really good over this time. Maybe I wasn't so good yesterday, but like for the past, you know, six months, six years, I've been really, really good. And so I think that's where that, that paradox comes in, right? It's where we want to be perfect, but, but we can't actually be perfect. So what are we really striving for? And that's where that 80, 20 kind of comes in. Yeah. I agree. A hundred percent. Um, yeah. I mean, just like one more thing about the medication again, it's not, um, First of all, for most people, well, I don't know if you saw this, but like Weight Watchers now, I think they just bought a company or a pharmacy or they established some type of, of, of relationship with one of these companies that do the weight loss uh, injections, right? Okay. So now it's like, Interesting. for those that don't know, like these weight loss injections started off as, as diabetes medications, right? And then they realized, oh, everyone's losing weight that's taking this. Like maybe there's some weight loss applications that's happening, which of course, then they, they marketed it as a weight loss drug, right? So even like a lot of these big fitness companies like Weight Watchers, now they're developing partnerships with these companies that are administering, you know, the, the injections. So we'll see how things kind of play out with that in, in, in the future. Um, like I said, I know a lot of people that have started it and they just didn't like how they felt on it because it, you know, like there's constipation or diarrhea or nausea. I mean, anytime you're, you're messing with the gastric process, like there's going to be some, some type of, you know, side effects there. Right. So yeah. nothing, nothing comes without consequence. I think one, one last thing, something that I saw was that the, the terzepatide, which is the newer form of the semaglutide and it's, my understanding is that it's like a little bit stronger, yeah. but it's, it's showing more effects in this, like, uh, reducing this binge eating kind of thing or this food addiction type of thing. And so it's actually, I, I believe and you know, don't quote me on this, whatever, but I believe it's being, uh, it's going through the process of be getting, getting FDA approval for alcohol, uh, addiction or alcohol abuse as well for that same purpose where people are finding that they just don't feel like they want to drink or they don't, or they only want to have one beer instead of 10 beers or they only want to have, you know, whatever. And so it, it has these wide ranging effects and they're super interesting. Um, but, nothing is like, there's still no magic pill, right? They're, they may be marketed as like the magic pill, but like if you just take this shot and do nothing, that that's not it. So uh, I think it's, I think like, you know, agreeing with you that it's a great tool, maybe not great for everyone, great for some, not great for others, but there's no way you're going to get around uh, not changing your lifestyle and just like changing your, 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 your diet and your behavior and your relationships and like, and all the things they all matter and they always will. And like, as much as we our the whole, our lives would be easier if we could just prescribe people a pill and say like, Hey, take this and you'll just be uh, jacked and shredded and tanned. That ain't it. Just not the way it's going to go. I think too, though, like people have to kind of take responsibility and, um, like be self-reflective on why they have the relationship with food they do or why they keep falling short or why they keep binging. Right. Like whenever I've, I've binged, like I, I try to look back and be like, okay, why did I binge on, you know, that Friday night? Right. Like why I was bored. I was home. I had nothing to do. I thought, oh man, like some cereal and cookies would sound great right now. And I, I was, I just ate out of boredom. Right. Or maybe I had a stressful day and I binge ate then. Right. Um, or if your environment is, you know, that which has, you know, like you have cookies in the pantry and chips and all the sweet foods readily accessible and available, then it doesn't matter how disciplined you are, like the temptation will slowly draw you in, right? So a lot of times too, like you have to be kind of self-reflective and just kind of look at your life and look at your habits and say, okay, why do I keep falling short or why do I keep giving into temptation or why do I keep, you know, 
falling off track. A lot of things, again, medication aside, like is just lifestyle based. What like is your lifestyle either producing a healthy life and healthy results or is it kind of holding you back and you're kind of like self-inflicting these things upon yourself because you're keeping the temptation there, right? Like if you're an alcoholic, you're not going to keep alcohol in your house. If you're, or if you're a recovering alcoholic, you're not going to keep alcohol in your house. If you're a recovering heroin addict, you're not going to, you know, like keep it in the freaking pantry, right? Like, so there's certain things where like I treat food addiction the same way. I'm very big on establishing that food addiction is just as real as alcohol addiction and drug addiction. I think food addiction is even stronger, right? And I know this is going to be a very controversial statement, but I, I'm just speaking from experience, like food is, and sugar is the most addictive thing out there, right? Like they've done studies, sugar is more addictive than cocaine, right? So, you know, just knowing that and knowing that a lot of these companies and, you know, that make all the, the, the snacks and, and foods, like they're, they're scientifically made to just have you wanting more and more and more of it, right? So if you know that about yourself, and I know that about myself, like you could ask my wife, Christina, like she doesn't keep certain foods in the house because I'll eat it. Right. We don't keep peanut butter in the house or almond butter in the house or, you know, she doesn't buy certain things because she knows I have a problem with food. And she knows that even though I'm this like disciplined guy and I'm a health coach and I'm a fitness guy, like she knows in a moment of weakness, I'll be stuff in my face, you know. So, but but I know that. So I plan for it and I establish certain boundaries in my life to where I could set myself up for success and not have those temptations there. Right. So yeah. if, if like a full time health and fitness coach is still susceptible to falling short, then why do people think that, you know, they have the, the discipline or the power to avoid it? It's like we're all human, dude. I don't care who you are. I don't care how old you are. If you're 100 pounds overweight or if you're in a, a natural bodybuilder with 3% body fat, like we are all we all love cupcakes, right? We all love, we all love like the good foods and we're all susceptible to eating it. So if you know that about yourself, then you have to establish a lifestyle and a situation that doesn't allow you to just easily slip up and fall short. Right. So that's the biggest part of it. Like knowing that about yourself and then planning, planning for it. Yeah. Some people, some people might hear that and think about, uh, it's a restrictive lifestyle. And you're not allowing yourself to enjoy things. But I don't think that that's a correct analysis of what you're saying because you are allowing yourself to enjoy those things just within reason. Because like you said, you know that in a moment of weakness, and we're all going to have moments of weakness, a shitty day, you, you know, someone cuts you off in traffic, like any number of things that can, that can happen that could just like piss you off. And it's just like straight into the into the cookie jar or like or whatever your thing is, right? I also don't think that it's, it's like an overstatement uh, by you to say that food addiction is as strong strong or or stronger than than alcohol and, and drugs just based on the fact that we still need food. So you don't need alcohol and you don't need heroin to live, but you do need food. And so now you've got to make a choice between a healthy food and between binging food. So you still need some of it, right? It would be way harder. Imagine if we needed alcohol, there would be way more people who would be overdoing it because the line between like just enough and too much is a pretty fine line. And it's, and it's really hard to, to walk that line sometimes. So we still need food. We need it, you know, multiple times a day and whatever, and every single day. And so you know, getting, going, crossing that line is, is actually pretty easy. Now, the only other side of it is like binge eating one time is not going to put you in the hospital or, or going to kill you. Like it's a whole, you know, work up over many, many years and it manifests in as type two diabetes and, and other lifestyle related uh, diseases and illnesses. And so you might not realize that that was the, the case. Whereas like, you know, overdosing on drugs can, can kill you one time. And obviously that's, that's horrible and, and sad, but, um, 
that's just the, the, the reality of the situation. We need food. And so it, it's hard to like restrict yourself on something that you need. But I think setting up these boundaries is really good. And that's also my favorite way of doing it is like, look, if you know you have a thing with cookies and you just like, you can't have just one or if they're there, you're going to like eat the whole box at night. Like you got to just get them out of the house. It's the, it's the only way you can play the discipline. You can play the discipline game uh, as long as you want, but eventually you're going to lose. And and that's just the the reality of the situation. It sucks, but it is what it is. So you got to make that choice. Look at yourself hard in the mirror and say, Hey, I cannot handle this right now. I'm working on it. I'm doing X, Y, Z to, to, to work on this, but for the time being, no cookies in the house. And that's that. Yeah. I think another, again, just kind of going back into like looking at your own lifestyle and like looking at patterns that you've kind of fallen into. One thing I realized, and I'm, I'm writing an entire chapter about this in my, in my new book, which goes into food addiction and binge eating is, um, like I realized that the, the times that I binged nine out of 10 times, it was on a day that I didn't work out. Right. Mm, so I hadn't gone to the gym that morning. I hadn't worked out. And for those of you that work out, which I'm assuming a lot of people watching this do because it's a fitness podcast. Um, most I people so. know, uh, you know, when you work out after a workout, you feel good, right? Like you release, um, uh, endorphins, you, you get a dopamine hit, you know, you feel like you accomplished something. So, what I realized, like when I binge eat, it's because I'm looking for dopamine, right? It's like a drug addict looking for that hit. When I, when I binge eat, it's because I'm either feeling crappy about myself or I'm having, you know, stress or whatever it is. And I just want to feel good, right? So I go binge eat. I feel good for a second. Then I feel like crappy afterwards because I feel guilty now. But that's, that's kind of what I established was like the times I binge often is when I'm not working out. So the chapter in my book that I write about, it's called dictate your dopamine, right? So like when I wake up and go train first thing in the morning, like I'm getting that dopamine hit to where I don't feel like I need it later on in the day. And I don't feel like I need it, you know, elsewhere, right? With food or, or, or like getting that quick dopamine fix. Cause I already got it by, by working out first thing in the morning. Right. So that's something that I think a lot of people could really benefit from too, is like, you know, when you start exercising and this sounds so like cliche, it's like, oh, you want to feel better, go exercise. The truth of the matter is like for depression, anxiety, like, you know, like, like a lot of things that people struggle with, like working out and just getting in a more, you know, um, routine of exercise, like it helps so many things. It puts you in the right mind frame. You feel accomplished. You feel, um, you know, like, like, like you, you accomplished something and like now you could take on the day in a much more effective way. Right. So again, knowing that about myself, I'm like, okay, if I work out today, even though I don't want to work out, I'm going to go work out. Cause I know that I'm going to be a lot more able body to control my cravings or, you know, urges to binge later on. If I get my workout in and I get my dopamine right now, you know what I mean? Yeah. So again, it just kind of goes back to like looking at patterns and, and realizing, okay, where have I been more susceptible to, to slipping up and falling off track. And then once you identify it, you can kind of put safeguards in place to fix it. You're never going to be perfect. I still binge from time to time, dude. I will never be perfect. I will always love food. Like you said, we have to eat to survive. And there's always this relationship where it's like, I just want a little bit more rice with my chicken, or I just want a little bit more of this or that, right? It's always going to be there, but you know, just making more good decisions and being consistent 80% of the time, like is going to put you way ahead of the game in the, in the long term. Yeah. Like you, like you said earlier, consistency compounds, right? Yep. Good behaviors breed more good behaviors. So if you start your day off, you know, you roll out of bed and, and the first thing you do is, uh, you know, light up a cigarette and scroll on Instagram and like, you know, whatever, do some, some nonsense. Like 
then you're more likely to continue to do less healthy behaviors later in the day versus you wake up in the morning, you have a glass of water, you go to the gym, you go for a walk, you you know spend some time with your family or whatever. Like You're just doing healthier behaviors and then therefore you're going to be more likely to continue those behaviors throughout the day. This is one thing, and, and I'm not sure how you do this with your clients, but like I'm a big I'm a big advocate for like when you're going to have your, your treat meals, like it's got to be, and it depends on the person for sure, but like I try and make it so that it's always uh, dinner time or end of the day. Because if you do that at breakfast and you, or you go out for a brunch or something like that, it's very hard to like, you know, go out and French toast and waffles and like syrup and like and all this stuff at, you know, 10 a.m. And then just like, you know, later for lunch, you're just going to have like your chicken and broccoli. Like it's very hard to do that, right? It's, it's way easier. Like if you start the day off on like an unhealthy foot, you're going to continue that. And so, again, it just comes back to, you know, what I love that you said is just this awareness. You got to really take a hard look at what you're doing, identify your behaviors, and then figure out where you can where you can make positive changes. Because, again, you know, consistency compounds. And it's it's one of the best statements ever and one of the most true statements ever. Absolutely, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's there's so much... The individualization of this is the is the most difficult part. So like you and I are here and we're discussing how, you know, you have to look at yourself and whatever, but we're talking on a podcast. And so we're speaking to, you know, lots of people at the same time. So we can't possibly identify what someone's thing is that they need to change. We can give all these tips and say like, yeah, you know, take the cookies out of the house and, and do this, that, and the other thing and whatever. But at the end of the day, like personal responsibility is is number one. And that's the only thing that is going to get you out of this. Like you only, you can save yourself. There's medications and higher coaches and whatever, but like, you know, with your clients, like you're not there holding their hand, like you give them all the tools and they've got to go and execute on their own. Right. And and this yep. is the, this is the most challenging part to, uh, to, to overcome with this. And yep. I think, you know, where, where I want to take this is, is, is the accountability piece. And like, were there people who were, around you or, or a coach that you hired or just like a, maybe a therapist or, or someone who was like kind of like in your corner that you could lean on to pull you out of, of those places when you were slipping up a little bit and how important that is uh, to, to this whole journey and transforming your identity. Yeah. So first off, to kind of caveat what you said earlier, like, yes, everyone is so different, right? I have, I have some people that might reach out to me, maybe they're 20 pounds overweight or 50 pounds overweight. And they really don't struggle with like binge eating or food addiction, but they just, you know, they just eat what they want. They don't exercise. So the weight naturally just piles on over the years and now they want to get it off. Right. So I put them on a plan. I give them the accountability. We do check-ins, you know, they, they start training and they lose the 50 pounds and they're rock solid, right? Like they reach out to me three years later. I just had one of my clients, Sergio, he's actually based in Toronto. I started working with him three years ago. The guy lost, you know, like 60 pounds, has abs now at 45 years old, and he looks incredible, but he, he never really struggled with like food addiction or binge eating. He just needed right. some guidance and help to like establish a more healthy lifestyle. I have some clients on the other hand where it's like, it's more of a psychological thing. Like food is a crutch, a, lo a lot like myself, right? To where it's like, if I'm having a bad day or, you know, like I'm feeling stressed or, you know, things like that, like... I do want to go binge eat, right? So, you know, things are, are kind of very, very like individualized. And, you know, I'm the oldest of four kids, my brother and sisters, like my brother just stays in shape all the time. He's never struggled with food. He could eat what he wants. He eats pizza, he eats donuts. And the guy stays like shredded all the time, right? Me, I'm like, just doesn't work that way. Like, you know, I wish, but yes, everyone is so different. So realizing that is, um, is such an important, you know, uh, part of it. What, what was the second part uh, of your question? Um, I think I was just talking about like uh, accountability. I don't exactly okay. remember, but, but I think, you know, a place to take this even more recently was like you, you, 
before the wedding, like you were showing like, you know, losing weight and, and whatnot, like publicly, mm-hmm. like, was that a form of something that was really good for you? Was that difficult for you to do publicly? Of course, you know, most people are not, you know, don't have uh, thousands of followers and stuff on social media. Most people are just, you know, m- more or less private, but like calling it out publicly or calling your shot, is that something that would you have done that if you weren't a public figure? Yeah. So w- where I'm at now, like or, or over the last year, you know, it's like for me getting out of shape is like gaining 10 or 15 pounds, right? Which like for most people, they see me, I'm like, I'm six foot two. I'm usually around 205 pounds. You know, if I go through the holidays and just, and just have like a screw it mentality, I might get up to 215, right? But I could drop the weight pretty quickly. So like getting ready for my wedding, you know, I was like, you know what? I want to go from like looking to me was kind of like fluffy and just go from that to like being, you know, single digit body fat, right? Like 10% body fat. So it was actually fun like because I like showing people what it looks like. And again, not doing anything extreme, but just, you know, kind of buttoning up the nutrition a little bit um, and just kind of showing people the natural progression of just getting a little bit leaner. Right. But for me, I mean, listen, like I've, I've talked to eating therapists before, right? Um, like three years ago, I actually sought out a, I, I didn't even know there were like psychologists for like binge eating. Right. Um, and it was actually a night after I binge ate really bad. My wife, my, my now wife, then girlfriend, she was like, dude, I'm really worried about you. Like, I think you have a, like, you have a problem. Right. Because before we started dating, I would just like, when I binge, I was by myself. No one really saw it. Right. But like, she would go in the pantry in the morning and be like, where the hell is all my food? I'm like, oh, shit. I'm sorry, babe. I, I binge ate all of it, you know? And she was like, generally, like, she, she wouldn't be mad, but she was like, dude, like, this is a, like, this is bad. Like, I've never seen someone eat that much food all at once, right? So I jumped on Google, found an eating therapist, and I was seeing her. I, I saw her probably like once a week for like four weeks, right? And we would sit there and like, kind of like, talk about my childhood and try to identify like what caused it. And honestly, the truth is like, I had a great childhood. No abuse, you know, like not, none of the things that people kind of think about, like why I'm, why I'm fixing my, or like why I have this habit of binging, right? So she kind of got me to think through things, but it wasn't anything like monumental, right? But over the years, I found like when I have a coach or someone there to keep me accountable, like it just keeps me on track, right? Like if I have to send you my weight, Daniel, like every Monday morning and send you my photos and, you know, have that accountability in place, like, I'm probably not going to go pig out this weekend because I don't want to get a message from you on Monday morning where you're like, dude, why is your weight up a pound, you know, this week? Or why didn't you lose any weight this week? Or, you know, like, why is your weight up five pounds? Which for me was typical because when I binge all weekend, like my weight could easily go five five or seven pounds higher, right? Like, I don't want to have to have that conversation with my coach or, you know, with an accountability partner because it's embarrassing, right? Yeah. So, even myself, like even, even till today, I'm a full-time coach and I still have a coach that I work with and he's not a friend. Like I actually pay him and invest into him because, you know, I'm a big believer. Like when you have skin in the game and you're paying for something, like you're a lot more likely to follow it, you know? And when I have like friends that are other fitness coaches and I ha- have had them do it in the past, like I just don't take it that serious. Cause I'm like, Oh, well it's free. So like, if I mess up, like who cares, right? But yeah, if I find someone I that I don't have an existing relationship with and I respect them a lot and I'm paying them good money, like I'm going to do what they tell me and I'm going to stay on track and I'm not going to want to make myself look like an ass or, you know, go have a, like a shitty weekend where I just binge, right? So yeah. accountability is critical. And f- for even if, like today, like most people I work with, they've never had a coach before. They might've had personal trainers, but it's very different from having like an accountability coach there to like 
go over, you know, go over things with them and, you know, make sure they're following things and do their check-in on a weekly basis. So I think accountability, if someone has never had it, it will be the one thing that will change your entire, your entire life. Like it's, 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 it's the most important thing someone could have in their life is, is accountability. I mean, business, fitness, like there's a lot of big time business guys that have mentors and business coaches that coach them to grow their business, right? There's relationship coaches that help people develop better relationships, right? Fitness is one of those things where it's like, it's the same thing. If you want to get a certain result, find someone that's been there, done that, has people that they've helped before and can establish that and give you accountability to work within. And um, you'll be way ahead of the game. Yeah. There's so many, so many crossovers between fitness and business. It's, it's actually remarkable because it is such a long game and there's so many ups and downs and, and like, and all the things. And most of the stuff that works well is the simple stuff just, you know, done <laughs> repeatedly and aggressively over a long period of time versus like the, Oh, I'll, I'll get you to a seven figure business in the next three months. Like, all right, like, probably not, you know, <laughs> same, same as like, I'll lose, I'll help you lose 57 pounds in the next three weeks. Like maybe, but probably not, you know? Um, I think that's a super important thing though, to highlight about the accountability and and with friends and family. I think it's important to have these people on your team and, you know, like, like you're saying, uh, you know, not having food in the house and, and stuff like that. And, you know, wife and parents and siblings and whoever supporting you and all that stuff. Like it's, it's important, but it's way easier to like, blow off a family member or, or a coach or a, a friend than it is to blow off like a, a coach. And although, you know, there is this like coach client friendship that, that develops and that's certainly important. It's a lot different to like say, Hey, I, I didn't, I didn't do it this week. I, I, I just kind of fucked off and did my own thing. And like, you're not going to want to do that, but to your buddy or to your, to your girlfriend or to your, your, your husband or whoever, it's like, it's a lot easier to just like, ah, no, I didn't do it this week. Don't, don't worry about it. So of course, like, you know, Stephen, you and I are biased at this. Like, this is our our job, our our business is coaching people. But like, this is one of the things that we see routinely, and that's why people have tried diets. Like, very rarely, and, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong for you, but like for me, it's very rarely does someone ever come to me and they're like, "Oh, I've I've never tried any type of diet before. I've never ever exercised at all or thought about this ever." It's like this is not they just found me somehow and they've never considered this ever in their life. Like, they've tried some stuff before, or at least dabbled in it, or thought of about it or whatever. And so hiring someone who's external to them, external to their life, not with them, is a way different feeling of accountability than, you know, just reporting into their buddy who they're supposed to be, excuse me, you know, supposed to be meeting at the gym every Tuesday at at 3 p.m. or whatever it is. It's a very different thing. So getting some skin in the game and having someone to give you that, that actual honesty and be like, Hey, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta clean this up. Like this is, this is good. You're doing good, doing good, but you can do better. You got to clean this up. It's, It's a hugely, hugely important piece. Yeah. I mean, they've done studies on this. Like I think the the latest study I saw was like those who have an accountability partner, regardless if it's like fitness or, you know, like any, any area in their life, like they're like 93% more likely to succeed. Like 93%, dude, that's not like 50%. That's 93%, which is like insane. insane, Right. Um, And to, to make it more like correlated to fitness though, it's like, listen, I tell people you in, in all reality, you should never have to hire a fitness coach, right? You have YouTube, you have Google, like you literally have every single diet ever created, every workout plan ever created, going back to Arnold Schwarzenegger till today, like everything is out there, right? So but one thing I found, like it's not an information problem, it's an implementation problem, right? Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, like 
it's information overload, right? Oh, well, this guy says do keto. This guy says eat carbs. This guy says do weight training. This guy says go run, right? So people are just, they just don't know what to follow, right? Whereas like guys like you and me, we've been doing this for a while. We have, you know, clients we've worked with, like we know what works. We know it doesn't work. And, you know, for 99% of the people we work with, like the same thing is going to work, right? Like being in some type of calorie deficit, getting enough protein, doing resistance training, like three, four, maybe five days a week at the most, right? Like you stay consistent with those things, you're going to get results, right? And unfortunately, accountability is not sexy to market, right? Like what's sexy is like, take this pill, you'll lose 20 pounds or do this, you know, crazy workout, you'll lose 20 pounds or do this crazy diet, you'll lose 20 pounds, right? But it's like, it's not sexy to tell someone, hey, uh, hey, Laura, like you have 50 pounds to lose. Okay, well, it's probably going to be like a six to eight month process. Um, it's going to be pretty boring. You know, you're going to be tracking your food. You're going to be, you know, eating healthy foods. Um, you're going to be working out consistently four days a week, getting your steps in, right? Like each day is going to look pretty similar to the day prior, right? Like it's going to be a mundane process, but what gets results is doing the mundane things consistently day after day. And that's not, again, it's not like a sexy thing to tell people because most people want, like they want results quick, right? So having that honest conversation and, you know, I think today though, people are kind of like waking up to the fact that like, they know there's a lot of bullshit on the internet and social media and they're kind of waking up to the fact that like, okay, you know, they're just being more realistic with themselves, understanding like I didn't gain 50 pounds in 30 days. This happened over the last two years or three years or since COVID or like, you know, like since high school, who knows? Yeah. yeah. Like who knows? Right. So it's like, why do you think you're going to embark on this journey? And all of a sudden have abs within 30 days, right? So sometimes just having that conversation with people and putting it in perspective to where they're like, you know what? You're right, right? So that's why you, you have to give yourself grace and you have to just go into it, looking at it as a lifestyle change, knowing that you're going to not be perfect. But again, making more good decisions than you do bad decisions and just staying consistent with the boring things. Like that's what's going to get you to your goal. Yeah. Like you said, I think before we started recording, you know, like you and I would agree on probably like 99% of coaching advice and programming and nutrition and and all this stuff. I'm sure there's some small stuff that we might differ on. I couldn't even name it, but whatever. There's probably some small stuff. Mm-hmm. And the same would go for any half decent coach out there, right? Because the, there's only a few things that work and then there's just like a million different approaches to get at even the the weight loss injections they don't magically melt away fat they you know go through this complicated uh, physiological process that helps you eat less food <laughs> like that's what it's doing yeah. the same thing that works for any type of diet it's like this complex you know lifestyle process that helps you eat less food it's all the same thing there, there's only one way to go about it there's just or sorry there's only one thing that works and then just like endless ways to to, to go about it so selling this lie and selling a dream I think you're right and, and I hope that you're right that it's becoming uh, old and I think that there's enough people out there now who are you know spreading a good message and saying like hey this is going to take a long time this is going to be difficult here's what needs to be done here's the here's the real of what's what that's it's start it's starting to catch on and and I think the 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 sleazy uh, you know fitness all you know make you lose a hundred pounds in in six days kind of thing is going the way of like the you know the used car salesman like people see through that <laughs> nonsense now and i think they're getting to getting to see through that as well which is which is a really good thing um and this is where people are going to start really you know making real results but there's a 
there's a lot of people out there. So like, you know, if, if, if a hundred million people start doing the right thing and there's still, you know, a hundred million other people who are doing the wrong thing and we haven't even gone outside of America yet, then, <laughs> then, you know, there's still a lot of people who are, who are being misled. So, you know, one conversation at a time and, uh, and just one honest conversation at a time, I think is really the, the best way to go about this. And, uh, you know, people like yourself and writing books and, and, you know, in other mediums, because people learn different ways, the same way people will lose fat in different setups and different diets. Like people learn different ways and, and process information in different ways. So uh, credit to you for, for writing the book. I know that it's a, it's a ton of work and, and that's a long process for sure. Um, but, uh, but I think it's very, very important. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, my, my story is like very different, you know, um, having an, e- an eating disorder or admitting to it is like not something that's very popular. And it kind of puts me in a very vulnerable position because, you know, like it, it admitting that is, is not, doesn't really put you in a, in a position of strength. Right. But mm-hmm. what I found over the years, um, especially more recently, like over the last year, just being very vulnerable with my audience on social media and just sharing that, like a lot of people are like, like, Hey, like, dude, me too. Like I yeah. also struggle with that. Right. So more people out there struggle with like, you know, Eat, like actually binge eating is, is the most common eating disorder out of all the disorders, right? Bulimia, anorexia. Um, and the thing with, especially men is a lot of men don't admit it because, you know, they're kind of like the big, strong bodybuilder guy where it's like, if they binge eat, they don't really look at it as binge eating. They look at it as like, oh, eat, eat, get big and bulk and grow. Right. But it really is binge eating. Right. Yeah. So, um, and I know you're like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you struggle with the binging side of things as badly as, as I do. Right. So like here we have two different guys in the fitness world, but I, I have certain struggles that, that you might not. Right. So I think it's fun that we can come together and just talk about the, the, the differences. And, you know, like I said, it's, there's a lot of different people out there, man. Like not everyone struggles with the same things, you know, um, some people struggle with saying no to a cookie and, and food addiction and cravings and, and binging and some people don't some people just need more routine and a more structured training plan nutrition plan and they'll be good to go yeah so yeah yeah i think that i think that radical honesty is super important and that's one thing that i've been mindful of, of saying across my you know social media and everything as well is like look I, I don't struggle with some of these things i know that you know people do struggle with these things and they're totally legit and whatever but like for me to sit here and lie about like Oh, I struggle to like go to the gym and be motivated and like get my steps. Like that's a, that's a lie. I don't struggle to do that stuff. And, and I'm aware that I'm lucky if you want to use that word to like not struggle with that. There's obviously other stuff that I struggle with, but like getting to the gym and like eating healthy is like not something that I struggle with. And so like, and that's okay too, because some people are just like, Hey, I, I this is not a struggle that I have. I don't have this thing and, and that's fine. And then there are people who are like, Hey, I really do struggle with this, but I need to know that you understand that this is a real thing. And I think it's important for me to, to convey that. I understand that not everyone is like, is like me and I'm not the perfect epitome of health, you know, 7% body fat, Greek God statue. Like that's not me. But uh, I can understand where where there's lots of people and people are coming from different places. And I think that this this shift lately in all of social media to this more honesty and this just more transparent approach, I think is really important and uh, and super helpful for for a lot of people. It's all fake, man. Everything people see on social media is like, (laughs) I hate to say that, but it's like most of the guys we follow on social media, like, come on, man, we all use you know, certain lighting or certain, you know, angles to make ourselves look bigger and the girls with their butts. Like managing expectations is such a big part of this too. And that's a topic we haven't even covered, but like, you know, just realizing the same people you follow that seem to have it all together and seem, you know, seem to look like they're in incredible shape constantly. I promise you 
it's not the case. All right. Like I'm everyone's friends, got their shit. Yeah. Like I'm friends with a lot of these people and they're all great people, but it's like people show you what they want you to see and they don't show you what they don't want you to see. Right. No one posts their photos when they're feeling bloated or, you know, like when they're not looking as good or lean or without a pump in the gym. So just realize like a lot of times we set the bar again, I guess in summary, like we set the bar so high, right? We have this paradox of perfection that never ever existed to begin with, but yet we set the bar so high. And then as soon as we miss the mark, we feel like a failure and we go back into our old habits, right? So get rid of that entire thought process of like, I have to be perfect. You know, like I'm, I'm never going to fall off track again, except the fact that you will expect it to happen, but just course correct very quickly, like course correcting when you slip up is the most important thing you can do. Not allowing it to become an entire day or week or weekend of just like, you know, going off the rails, but you messed up. Okay, cool. Course correct. Next day you're at the gym, you're back on your track, you know, like, and you're ready to go. Exactly. Well said, baby. Thanks for coming on here. I appreciate you. Any last message you want to, you want to give to anyone? Is there any, is there any, uh, like date that's roughly, I know the book is like a ways out, but do you have like a projected date at all? We're looking at like early 2024. Um, okay. I also told you, I haven't mentioned this anywhere. So I guess your, your listeners will be the first people to hear it, but I, I will be doing a TED talk, um, early 2024. So we're working through Amazing. that right now and just like putting the talk together. Um, I'm not sure where it's going to be. Like they, they kind of give you a location. Um, like your, your talk has to be like, um, in, in conjunction with like the topic of that night. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So, so I'll have to figure out where the talk is going to be, but I'm excited about that because Ted is a huge platform. Um, I, I think it's helpful just to kind of share these ideas and, um, you know, allow people to realize like, Hey, this whole fitness thing is not something that's unattainable for people like you. You could start, you could be successful, you could do it. Um, and, um, yeah, so I'll, I'll keep you posted when those things are, are on the horizon. But for right now, yeah. yeah. Um, just realize perfection doesn't exist. That's all. Like stay consistent, like just do what you can get your four workouts in per week, get your steps in every day, you know, stay as consistent with you can as your nutrition, like try to string as many good days along as you can, like try to string three, four five days along. And then if you slip up one day, all right, well, you, you took three steps forward. Now maybe you only took one step back, but you're still two steps ahead, right? Instead of taking four steps forward, you messed up. Now you mess up the next three days. Now you take four steps forward and you're four steps back, right? So just like string as many good days as you can together. If you fall off track on the fifth or sixth day, who cares? Just get back on track the next day and you'll be way ahead of the game down the road. So give yourself grace. And um, in the words of Justin Bieber, love yourself. <laughs> the all intelligent Justin Bieber. Toronto boy, by the way. Yes, he is. Thanks, buddy. Um, uh, we will keep in touch on, on on the book and the TED Talk and whatever. Maybe we'll, we'll do a we'll do another podcast like ahead of those coming out and whatever. But that's a, a ways away. So so we'll uh, we'll keep everyone updated on that stuff. Um, at Stephen Campolo on all social media platforms. That's correct. Yeah, it's not something else. Yep, Stephen with a PH. Uh, Campolo. Yep. Stephen with a PH. Uh, the the all uh, exciting English language. So we got to <laughs> change up letters for no reason. <laughs> Stephen Campolo. I will put the the contacts in the show notes. Um, Stephen, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you. Uh, everybody, make sure you're following Stephen. Um, plug into everything that he's got going on and everything that's coming up. Give this podcast a share, a listen, a rating and review on on iTunes and Spotify and all the places. Share it with the people in your life who you know will benefit from this. Give me a follow as well at Daniel Yoris everywhere. And that's it. Go outside, be a good person. We'll chat soon.